How we doing? Another episode of the Wes Henderson Podcast. And just a reminder for people listening, make sure you rate if you like it. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. That really helps me out. And if you want to support, um, hit up all the affiliate links in the description of the podcast and on YouTube. This episode is going to focus on how cancel culture, woke culture, a lot of BS, listening to the masses, or I would say a vocal minority, really hurts the artistic vision and just, I think, like personal, I want to say, identity of people. And this all revolves around my disappointment in the new show, uh, the prequel to Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Got to geek out a little bit on you guys because I'm a geek, like big time. I loved, loved, loved Lord of the Rings. I was never a big Harry Potter guy. Um, I remember reading the first Fellowship of the Ring, and I wasn't a big reader at all when I was much, much, much younger, which is the complete opposite of how I am nowadays. And Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, The Two Towers, and then uh, Return of the King were the like series of fiction, actually probably just the, the first series of novels that I've ever completed without skipping pages from start to finish. What Peter Jackson did with the first films, there was a lot of elements missing. One of them, one of my favorite characters is Tom Bombadil. Um, if you're not into the Lord of the Rings, you're not going to know who that is, but I, I think he could have been such an essential character to the film. Um, Obviously, Peter Jackson had different views, but the films, to me, are phenomenal. I'm going to be someone, I'm going to be one of those people that is always like, I think the book was better than the movie, but in that case, I think they're pretty parallel. There are some elements missing from the book, but you can't cover anything. I think today, if the studios were looking at making those films they would probably be looking at more of like the Game of Thrones type of thing where they're going to make it like a series and then really into the depth, which is exactly what Amazon tried to do with Rings of Power, which out of all of the Tolkien works, not that much. I mean, he does have like unfinished tales and a whole bunch of other published works, his letters, um, which goes back to the lot of thought process. There's a book called The Silmarillion in which he's building this phenomenal world of Arda leading up from the beginning of who their big god is of Eru all the way to leading to the Third Age, which is what you reach Lord of the Rings. And Rings of Power is capturing, I believe, like around that second age where they're seeing the islands in Numenor. And sorry if I'm geeking out too much, but I'm just trying to get to the story of or, or the whole essence of this podcast where they let people, and when I say vocal minority, I'm not talking about minority in the sense of like racial classification. I'm thinking of a minority of a smaller group of people that are just screaming from the rooftops what they want to see. I'm not 100% white. I am half Pacific Islander, something I just don't let it really drive my vision. When it comes to art and it comes to film, it comes to books, I'm just looking for great storytelling. Peter Jackson did a phenomenal job with great storytelling. I didn't notice the very European uh, class of people um, that were in the Peter Jackson films. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But what is apparent, and I don't see this as a problem, if you want to cast people of different ethnic backgrounds in Rings of Power, go ahead. 
by all means, go ahead. When you're reading the books, there's not too much of a background of exactly what some of these characters look like. There's a lot of assumptions. Um, you know, if, if you're building some sort of godlike creature, building a world, I don't know if in their head they're thinking about, hey, we need like different shades of skin color. Um, but if you're going to take that and that's going to be your initiative, by all means, go for it, Amazon. And that's what you should do. But don't think of the audience as stupid. So there's a Black Elf character, which is not in any of the books. That's fine. But then there's some sort of side storyline that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then when it comes to Galadriel, uh, the Elven character, uh, casted by uh, or played by Kate Blanchett in the Lord of the Rings films and then some in the Hobbit. She's powerful. Like there's no doubt anyone's mind when they see her on screen in her presence, she is a powerful elven sorceress. And that is not what we see in the rings of power. It's almost like, Hey, stupid audience. We have to go so far out of our way to show you that she's more powerful than these elven men around her, that we're going to do some stupid jump sword scene. And that I think is the problem. I think Amazon spent like a billion dollars on a lot of this, uh, on this series. And it's beautiful. Like the, the first scene, episode three, cause I'm just going to continue giving it a look that episode three, they show Numenor and, I'm like, oh, I'm super, super excited. Or at the beginning, they're showing Valinor when Gladriel is young. And they start inputting some sort of weird thing where she was picked on. But in the books, I mean, she's like elven royalty, which the the elves are already at this higher echelon of how they act, how they present each other. Maybe there's some hierarchy issues where they may, the royalty talks down, but nowhere in any instance are you going to assume that Gladriel in any way or even believable that she was picked on. And they do that to try to make her build into this character where she becomes this strong war, Xena warrior princess. And I think it's stupid. I think it's so dumb what they did. And it's it just, to me, it's casting off into the wrong direction. And I think that's what you see here. Um, I don't know why that's not working. Anyway, uh, sorry if you're listening. I was just trying to share my screen. But then you see the Rings of Power is getting a 39% audience score, which I think there is some review bombing. It's probably by a bunch of nerds, too, that are saying, hey, this isn't great. There are some racial things that have been reported saying that because of the diversity sure but if you go through and read some of the audience reviews and they pause them on amazon some of them are much like mine do i think it's a 39 percent? absolutely not i think there's some elements that are incredibly great with the show but is it an 84 percent? which is what the critics and i i just generally i'm, I'm more gravitated towards the audience score no and I put a poll up on my YouTube that some people reviewed, and it was right in the middle. So I would say within that 40 to 60% range with that 20% delta in between, it's probably even landing probably around that 50%, which still putting in a certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not that far off, I think, based on people's responses to my poll. And again, I, th I think it's just, it's the bad storytelling. And that is because... Hollywood just likes to let this vocal minority, again, just a small group of people, not minority in the sense of ethnic um, background, speak for the general public. I'm just looking, I just want someone to give me a good story. I pick up a book, 
it's just words on a page, just like Lord of the Rings, just like Silmarillion, and I'm not seeing anything about race or anything. And, you know, Game of Thrones is doing a fantastic job about that. The new House of Dragons does have some black characters, especially in the Targaryens. So you see these black characters with blonde hair, but they wrote them into actual characters instead of making up new storylines. And I do still have some trust issues of the way Game of Thrones ended. So I am reading um, Fire and Blood, which starts like 150 years before even House of Dragons starts. So 300 years or so before the Lord of the Rings, or Lord of the Rings, God, uh, the, the Game of Thrones series started. And it's good. It's fantastic. And I think George R. R. Martin did a fantastic job writing these powerful women. Like Game of Thrones doesn't get enough respect in that essence where he wrote or where Martin wrote this fantastic storyline, great storytelling, beautiful world building, incredible backstories. Uh then it leads to just all these women, these powerful cr- crazed women at the top like Daenerys, like Cersei's crazy ass. But he did it. It's it's not like in your face, check this out. You're just sitting there and you're just letting the story sink in as you're watching it or as you're reading the books. That's the difference. House of Dragons is killing it with that. Rings of Power, just eating ass. Sorry, like there's, there's no other way, in my opinion, to say it. And it, again, it's just diverging from Tolkien's vision and this beautiful lore. Like the, the lack of humility that some Amazon studio execs or writers don't have and think they could write a better story than Tolkien, you're absolutely, you got to go get checked. You're out of your mind. I also read perhaps there are some licensing issues maybe they don't have the full licenses to the characters of the Silmarillion um, which would cause some issues one theory this was seen is that if you do watch the show there are the age of the two trees and they just die off in the rings of power when they're just trying to go over through a montage try to catch you up but in the books it's actually a giant spider who's I mentioned earlier Tom Bombadil's character they, they kind of see this giant spider is an opposite of Tom Bombadil's character who actually gets tr- somewhat tricked by, um, is it Melkor? Now, now I'm confused and I can't remember. I think it might've been Melkor, which was, yeah. Uh, Morgoth. We made Sauron look like a little bitch, um, tricked into killing the two trees by eating the sap from it. Anyway, all of that wraps into this whole theory that you can't let you, you can't let non-visionaries affect the work of the visionaries. It gets, it's too dangerous when you're trying to appease the masses. One thing about creating content, one thing about being yourself and your whole identity is you have to accept the fact that you can't please everyone. No matter what you say, there's going to be people that 100% disagree with how I view Rings of Power that love what Amazon did, what the Amazon Studios did with the characters and creating new characters or disagree with what I think about Game of Thrones. And I, I see it all the time in the comments. And that's great. So that's what that's what the Internet is for, is discourse, is for debate, for conversations, not argument, debate. And that's what I love about it. 
But I, you know, if I went through my comments and looked like, okay, this person's angry and then just completely altered what I want to do with my content to appease that one person, that to me is the equivalent of what you see sometimes with studios. And I, I don't think, you know, the problem too is I don't think these big studios are seeing it. I think they're just so wrapped up in their own little world and trying to appease the woke culture and the vocal minority that they're not seeing exactly what's happening with online content too, with the ind- the independence, like someone like a Joe Rogan, where they're just out there speaking their mind, get some backlash. Okay, that's fine. But it starts a discussion. People are discussing things and evaluating things in different manners than they would have otherwise not done. And that's what I like to do too. And I have mentioned it on the podcast before about what my constitutional law professor had taught us, which has, I think developed into what's called dynamic thought theory in law school. I mean, it's constitutional law. It's, it's something that is very controversial to a lot of people. For example, Roe v. Wade was one of them that we discussed, and it was a very in-depth discussion. But the conversation, no matter what your viewpoint is on either side, was always, even though you don't agree with the ruling, do you understand where it comes from? And that's what I want to do. Even when I'm sitting down and I'm evaluating exactly what's going on with the rings of power, I want to know, okay, what is it that they're trying to achieve? Did they achieve it? But was there a detriment? Like the solution can't be worse than, I guess, the original thought, whatever. I mean, we saw this with the pandemic. Like the the solution that we had cannot be worse than the, the outcome that it's causing, which is now we're in hindsight mode now with that, and that's what we're seeing. You got to be yourself. You got to write the story. You got to have your own thoughts it's just, it's so dangerous to let people alter the way you think because you just want to appease everyone. I think that's just the main viewpoint. And I use the rings of power as the conduit to get there. And that also leads to the, the book review this week, which is, I love this book. I love this book so much. You don't have to be a quote unquote creative. You don't have to be creating content. You could be someone working or creating a business and love this book by Ed Catmull, and um, who was the partner, if you don't know, of John Laster. And if it, it's Creativity Inc., New York Times bestseller. Um, what do they have in the book jacket? That's probably the only part I haven't read. And I've actually read this book twice. Um, here, I'll, I'll read this part. As a young man, Ed Catmull had a dream to make the first computer animated movie. He nurtured that dream as a Ph.D. student at the University of Utah, where many computer science pioneers got their start, and then forged a partnership with George Lucas that led indirectly to his founding of Pixar with Steve Jobs and John Lasseter in 1986. Nine years later, Toy Story was released, changing animation forever. The essential ingredient in that movie's success, and in the 13 movies that followed, was the unique environment that Catmull and his colleagues built at Pixar, based on philosophies that protect the creative process and defy convention. Such as, give a good idea to a mediocre team and they will screw it up, but give a mediocre idea to a great team and they will fix it or come up with something better. If you don't strive to uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, you will be ill-prepared to lead. It's not the manager's job to prevent risks. It's the manager's job to make it safe for others to take them. I like that first one. Or um, what it says prior to the bullet points was the unique environment and that unique environment was, if I can find the quote, 
And I, I revisit this quote all the time when I'm thinking about, you know, that I wanted to change how I'm doing this channel to not appease the masses because you can get in a dangerous, dangerous territory with that. But what satisfies my own urge to create content? And here it is. Despite being novice filmmakers at a fledgling studio in dire financial straits, we had put our faith in a simple idea. If we made something that we wanted to see, others would want to see it too. If we made something that we wanted to see, others would want to see it too. We, as in them, the creators, the visionaries, Ed Catmull, like, there's no... There's no, what's the masses want? Is this going to piss people off? No, they're constantly poking holes. Like throughout this book, there's, there's a good story of Toy Story 2. And they're, they're talking about the storyline of Woody being abandoned by Andy. But you're like, okay, like I'm thinking about the first one. Andy loves Woody. Like why would that ever happen? So it, the story wasn't really meshing. So they gave it like, they gave it a view. They went through the storyline and then as a third party of other people that worked at Pixar, they're like, yeah, it's not, it's not grasping. So what did they do to marry it? They added the penguin, the squeaker, whatever his name is, as an abandoned toy. So Woody meets with that toy and was like, hey, you know, Andy abandoned me. It could happen to you. And that really solidified the story. It was, it's all about storytelling with these guys, and that's why it's constantly high audience score, high Rotten Tomatoes score, and they're constantly killing it. I have seen, as of recent, you know, they're making other, like, was Coco? Let me see something. Coco. Was that Pixar? Uh, computer animated. Who's the studio for that? It's a great movie. Yeah, that was Pixar. Pick Coco. 97% Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what was it? Let's see that audience score here. 94% audience score. They didn't take an existing story and... Me- I don't say mess it up. That's not the right word. But they didn't take a story that we're all aware of and start... Imputing their diversity. No, they found a diverse film and made a fantastic storyline. And that's what you get. You get this incredible movie that other people aren't aware of with incredible storytelling, incredible visuals, and you just get a fantastic film. It's, it's all internal. It's like, okay, what can we do to create something that we want to see and then just let the story actually just speak for itself and that's how it should be done it shouldn't be done the rings of power route we're going back on the back end if you want to make a new story then make a new story like there's another amazon one that didn't get a lot of play and i don't even know if it got reviewed carnival row carnival row was this tale about um orlando bloom played this main character and there was a lot of like the um racial tensions between elves and fairies and all this back and forth and it was a very diverse film and it was to me I don't know what the backstory is of Carnival Row, but I found it to be original, and I found it to be much better than Rings of Power. Rings of Power is is hanging on this whole thread of people loving Lord of the Rings. And it's just, if it stood alone and people didn't know what it was, the, I, I, it wouldn't it'd fail. 
There'd be no renewal. Nobody would be watching it. Nobody would be giving it ratings. Um, it would just absolutely fail on its own. And I, I would put money on that. No way to prove that, obviously. It's just even internally internally you got you got to think for yourself you got to do things for yourself not to appease the masses not to say that you shouldn't have humility and listen to others and understand what their viewpoint is because you can be wrong i'm wrong all the time i'm wrong 10 times more than i am right i think probably even 100 times more than i am right but i'm willing to listen but i'm also not willing it to drive my thought process like it, you got to take what people tell you, make changes internally, and then whatever actions you do should be more reactionary. Not, I'm going to sit here and think, oh, God, what are they going to think about what I'm doing? Because it's just, it's too dangerous. It's, it's such a dangerous world that you live in. And even if you do that, you're not being true to yourself. Leads to issues internally, mentally, which translates to physically. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. And that is the biggest lesson that I wanted to share from how disappointed I am from Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Again, Creativity Inc. This episode was just a mishmash of thoughts just because it's so frustrating to see something that I was looking forward to so much just get destroyed, not by the creatives like you see it within that show you're like god the visuals are just amazing that the opening shot of Numenor just you're just like wow just get absolutely destroyed by the storyline just oh anyway um <laughs> that wraps up this episode again be true to yourself learn grow but don't let this vocal minority drive what you think day to day. It's just, it's too dangerous of a world and it's just a, it's a pathway we just can't go on. So again, hit that subscribe button. That would be a huge support to me and rate this. We're going to go back to um, two years. It's been two years since I've been on whoop. So we'll go back lessons learned, what I'm doing with it, how I'm using it day to day. Nowadays, I still, it is the most, ask questions that I get on the channel and in person if someone recognizes me here in Austin or out in the wild or they see me um, with the strap on they're asking a lot about it just quickly I didn't even want to go into it the Apple watch the ultra whatever okay whatever just move skews I, I've spoken on it before nothing about the Apple event changed my mind about it um, but anyway also if you want to support the channel again whoop um, eight sleep Verb Lab, CBD, hit those links in the description, get you some, and I will see you in the next one. Thanks for watching and listening.